Welcome to episode 93 of Sharing Life Lessons. This is season 10. We are one spirit, one soul, one world. And together we are creating a library of stories and life lessons. I am your host Hamida and I want to bring you stories because stories matter, stories inspire, stories teach and stories heal. Listeners, let me first tell you why this is the very first time in 93 episodes that I am dropping an episode after two weeks instead of the customary one week. Well, the good news is that I started a new job last week. I am back at Citigroup, where I also worked during the financial crisis of 2008-2009. As like every new job, the first week was exciting as I met people I will be working with, but also time-consuming because of all the administrative stuff that is involved in onboarding. So, as you can see, life got in the way in a good manner. I intend to continue dropping episodes every weekend, but I ask you to be patient with me in case I need to miss again. That being said, the vibe I get from folks I will be interacting with regularly is very positive. When I ran the first meeting to meet and greet my team, I asked them all to bring their favorite quote to begin their introductions. Each one brought an inspiring quote, and I want to start this episode with a few of them. In order to hide their identities, I will not reveal my team members' names. Male L came with a quote from Warren Buffett. It said, It takes 20 years to build a reputation and 5 minutes to ruin it. If you think about that, you'll do things differently. Female M attributed her quote to Dr. Seuss, but she's not very certain of that. It said, Be who you are and say what you feel, because those who mind don't matter and those who matter don't mind. Female A came with a quote from Martin Luther King Jr. which said, You don't need to see the whole staircase, just take the first step. Female V attributed her quote to her mother. It said, Miracles always happen outside your comfort zone. And finally, female A brought in a quote from Martin Sharnin which said, You're never fully dressed without a smile. I hope you can hear me smiling after that quote. Today, I bring you not only an interesting guest, but we will be speaking about a topic that is almost a necessity of the day. We will be discussing empathy, both in our personal lives, but more so in the workplace. Our guest is a master storyteller who brings empathy and compassion to the human experience. As a thought leader in the role of empathy in marketing and the workplace, he frequently speaks on the topic at conferences, corporations, colleges, and podcasts. He lives in San Francisco with his husband and three cats. Everyone, let's welcome Rob Volpe. Welcome, Rob, to Sharing Life Lessons. It is wonderful to have you on as a guest. Thank you, Hamida. It's great to be here. I have to let the listeners know that Rob was very gracious in accepting my request. We don't know each other at all. I saw a response to a post that he put on LinkedIn where this person was laid off in a mass layoff at Peloton. And he was just venting and venting in a nice way. Rob response to him was very striking. It was, I feel you. I've done this. I've gone through this before, but hey, give it some time. 
the universe will take care of you. And that was so striking to me that I immediately reached out to him and said, would you like to be a guest on my show? And like I said, he graciously accepted. So thank you, Ralph. Yes. Thank you for, thank you for reaching out. And, and I, I was flattered and appreciate it and love what you're doing here. So yes, happy to be here. Lovely. Rob, I will give you the spotlight for a bit. Can you tell us about yourself so the listeners can connect with you? Sure. I'd love to. Hello, everyone. My name is Rob Volpe and I'm from San Francisco. I'm the CEO of Ignite360. So that's kind of my day job. And we're an insights and strategy firm. And what that means, we do marketing research. So we talk to consumers and our clients connect empathetically and understand human behavior, why their consumers are thinking, feeling, or behaving in a certain way so that they're able to then create better products and services. As a result of that work with empathy being such a core to what we do and, and so critical to me, over the years, we've developed what we call the five steps to empathy because we found that there's an empathy crisis going on. You don't need to look too far to, to see it showing up in our lives every day. And what we found was that if you bring in your judgment and you're not able to overcome your judgment, you're never going to get to a place of empathy. Mm -hmm. And so we started to set out to figure out, okay, what does it take to actually get to a place of empathy in the moment when you're interacting with somebody, how do you actually start to figure that out? We looked at the studies that were out there and was really looking critically at how do we coach our clients? What are the other um, things out there in the social sciences? That led us to identifying the five steps to mm -hmm. empathy so that you can get to empathy in that moment. And it's really focused on cognitive empathy. Empathy is a very loaded word. I, I often, when I'm giving talks on the subject, I describe it as an E word that people are afraid of. Actually, uh, that analogy is a throwback to, there used to be a Disney world and Disneyland. They used to code the rides, A, B, C, D, E. Mm -hmm. And the E rides were the big thrills, the ones that were really kind of scary. And it came to my mind, the E ride, and then, oh, this is an E word. And yeah, similarly, people are, are afraid of it. And they're afraid of it because there's a lot of things they don't understand about it. And there's a lot of misconceptions about empathy. A lot of people People feel like, oh, well, it's, it's all about emotions. Yes, empathy can be about emotions when it's emotional empathy, but there's also cognitive empathy, which is being able to see the perspective of other people. And so I, I try to demystify empathy. I try to make people understand because you get that out of the way and then you're able to start to show up and, and be empathetic and not worry that you're going to have to give up your own point of view or your own beliefs or values in order to understand the values of somebody else. That's another thing that people are afraid of with empathy. Mm. And the magic of empathy is that it, it's, it's the key, it's the secret ingredient to so many things that lead to a better day-to-day -day existence of well-functioning society, how we all interact and, and treat one another. And so that's the other thing. It's like, it's not just about being empathetic, it's about having empathy, but using that to collaborate, communicate, trust, to reach forgiveness, have compassion, all the different things that empathy can, can unlock for us. Thank you for that, Rob. You did mention your book. So first of all, congratulations on the release of your book. Thank Quickly you. Quickly tell us the title and tell us where to get that. And I will put that in the show notes. 
Awesome. Thank you. So yes, the book is called Tell Me More About That, Solving the Empathy Crisis, One Conversation at a Time. It is available now in Amazon, but also Barnes and Noble and many, many independent bookstores in the United States and around the world. Congratulations again from me and from the listeners. So tell us your story, Rob. What is your story? My, my personal story is moving into Indiana and I write about it in the book. When I was three years old, we moved to a small town in Indiana and I was, um, perfectly happy. I found a friend, best friend. We used to role play all of the action heroes from the seventies TV shows. But for me and him, that was Wonder Woman and Charlie's Angels and the Bionic Woman. And we were just free to be who we were. Mm -hmm. Then when I was about uh, 10 years old or 12 years old, we moved to a smaller, small town in Indiana and I didn't have that playmate. I didn't have that friend to, to run around with and do those things. And we were definitely other in that community. And that started to become a, an issue very quickly for me when I started fifth grade, when one of the kids decided, oh, let's tell everybody or start the rumor that Rob's gay. And you know, I was in fifth grade, it was 1980, I had no idea what gay was and that you know, I knew I was different, but I didn't understand in, that the fact that I was gay. I didn't understand that. And that made life really, really challenging for me. I, I talk about that period now. I refer to it as my Peter Parker bitten by the spider unleashes the superpower and lets him become Spider-Man. And for me, that's what that moment was ultimately, mm. because empathy was the thing that I started to use in order to navigate the, the hallways at school and deal with difficult situations. I tried to use empathy to get along with my classmates and help mitigate some of the rumors and navigate through. And it got me through. Can I ask you to tell us one incident about how you used empathy with your classmate? A story that always comes to mind. This was in high school, probably sophomore year, freshman or sophomore year. And I remember coming into class, it was first period. And there was a girl behind me who she ran with a much rougher crowd and depending on the clicks and the names, the labels applied to the clicks, she would have been a hoodie or hood or a druggie or burnout, any number of things. I remember we, you know, I, I don't know, we started talking like, well, what'd you do last night? And she told me about how she had drunk a fifth of great alcohol when we're in like, you know, freshman, sophomore year of high school. And I hadn't even tried alcohol at that point, but I went instinctively into, oh, what was, what was that like? What's it taste like? I started asking her questions and she started sharing with mm -hmm. me and it just created a bond of understanding because I was seeing and hearing her something she was probably looking for in her life. And then for me, it brought me kind of into a, a safer space with her mm -hmm. so that and it was one of those, like in the event that rumor starts, or if I'm carrying my books the wrong way and somebody points and laughs and taunts or whatever then maybe she wouldn't necessarily join in because she saw the, that I saw her humanity and there was mm -hmm. a connection and a, an understanding that might've been there. So that's the one that always stands out for me. So it seems like you started using empathy as your tool from very early on. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Just carried with me. And 
it, it became natural and instinctive to who I am and everything that I do. And it's only now, actually, when I founded Ignite 360 11 years ago, I'm the CEO of the company, work with some of the world's leading brands, really fortunate with that. But it's only now where empathy has become such a, a hot topic issue need in the corporate world and in our personal life that I'm really understanding how different I am from others and particularly other CEOs and other leaders and that I've always moved through with a, as much of an empathetic perspective and compassion as I can as a leader. I love this, that we are talking about empathy in the corporate world. You're right. There is a lack of it. But tell us what you think is the place of empathy and how can the corporate culture include empathy in their culture? Isn't that the million dollar question right now? I think what I hope people will understand, and I talked earlier about the two different types of empathy, the emotional empathy and the cognitive empathy. Emotional empathy is what you use with your tribe. It, it's like if you went back in, in time to prehistoric ages when we were, you know, living in caves effectively, it's those people that would, would have lived in your cave. Mm -hmm. Today, that might be your close immediate family. It might be your very closest friends that you've kind of brought in that maybe you've known for years, but it, it, it's that close group that you're having emotional empathy with. You're feeling their feelings because you were so close to them. And then you've got cognitive empathy, the perspective taking, and those are the people that lived in the cave down the road that you didn't really know that had different rituals and beliefs and behaviors. And so in our day-to-day -day life, that's the people you work with. It can be your neighbors. It can be the others in your community. And you need to use cognitive empathy to understand where they're coming from because they're coming from a different place. The rituals, beliefs, and behaviors are different. So as it relates to the workplace, what we're talking about is cognitive empathy and being able to see the point of view of other people. And I, and I had a, a leader recently, I was giving a talk to his company-wide presentation for his group, and we were having a conversation ahead of that. And he said to me, he's like, I'm trying to be empathetic, but I'm afraid that it means people are going to walk all over me if I have empathy. Mm -hmm. And I said right away. That's a really like, good question, right? That yes, it, absolutely. And that's a fear that a lot of leaders have. I think there are stereotypes that have been played out in many cultures and many societies of the role of the leader. And typically it has a masculine association. So then it gets into the role of man and what we're supposed to be doing and not showing emotion. Instead, no, you can have empathy and support someone empathetically, but still play within the rules of your organization. Like you're being empathetic and supporting an individual, which is just asking, how are you? What's going on? I see that you're stressed out, overworked. Your calendar looks crazy busy. How can I support you? Mm -hmm. How can I help? That doesn't mean that you're going to forego all the other rules, or you're going to allow yourself to be walked all over because you still have the needs of the organization to address, but it's letting go of this. I think there is a subconscious perception that because we've been so focused on productivity for so many years, 
we're so focused on that productivity that we treat our employees like robots or like mm -hmm. widgets or cogs in a huge machine and forgetting the fact that we are all human. And I think one of the gifts of the pandemic has been that it has brought that back up because you can't ignore a kid doing cartwheels behind a parent on a Zoom call. You, you just see it and you've got to deal with that. Or a dog showing up on the lap of a person oh, you're meeting with. I, uh, we've got three cats at home and I saw one of them circling around and I was thinking, oh God, is Barnabas going to make an appearance on this podcast? And I hope Hamida is going to roll with it because it's just real life. So suddenly many, many people have been dealing with that. And, and that's in the, the white collar working class. And then you've got the blue collar employees who have their kids at home all of a sudden, but they've still got to go to work because they're deemed essential, depending on where they're working or they've lost you know, their jobs, but they've got a whole new set of challenges to figure out. And so suddenly now empathy becomes even more critical in the organization to support people and keep them feeling, you know, safe, secure, seen, special, and that will build a tighter bond to the organization. So when you think about, okay, what do we do about empathy in an organization? Yes, the leaders need to model the behavior and practice the behavior. They can't just say it, they need to do it. But actually think about leadership at every level in an organization, like just rethink the idea of what it means to be a leader. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that chief is not the first title. It can be a manager. It can be the, the person with the responsibility of being the fire warden. It, that's a leadership role. Mm -hmm. We are all leaders in some form, whether we're leading a project, we're leading a team, we're leading a function. We're all leaders at, at some point. And it's up to all of us to offer cognitive empathy and also be willing to receive it. Rob, I have a question. You did say that we are so productivity oriented that that becomes the only goal in the corporate culture. And so let's go to that for a bit. People are saying, I have to produce. I have to do so much. 40 hours is not enough. I sometimes have to work overtime. And then there's family. And then there's kids. And then there's pets. And then there's health. Who has the time for empathy? What would you tell them? I guess it would be like, well, who has time for vision or for hearing? I mean, empathy is a sense. It's, it's a sense we're born with it, but it's also a sense that I guess with our vision, we open our eyes and we can see, which there's many metaphors or, or lessons in that. But when we use empathy, we actually have to practice it. It's like a muscle. And right now it's an atrophied muscle, but the muscles in your fingers are really strong because you can crank out an email on your keyboard or your thumbs are really good at liking and commenting and posting on things. Similarly, you just build empathy you build your empathy muscle back up and then you're instinctually and intuitively just using it. And you'll start to understand how to approach somebody empathetically. Even if you need to give them feedback that might be negative, you can still do it from a, a place of understanding mm -hmm. and from an empathetic point of view. It doesn't mean they're not going to be given negative feedback, but Actually, they're probably going to hear it in a very different way and, and be more likely to take action on it. So basically saying the more you use it, the more it builds, just yes. like any other muscle in your body. Exactly. Exactly. I do yoga a lot. The more I do, the more I get flexible. 
Yes. Yeah. And then I, I, I found that myself with yoga and then I'll go for a long stretch without doing it. And my toes seem really far away at other times <laughs> I've, you know, palms flat on the floor right next to my feet. But right now, woo. Rob, I'm loving this conversation. Talk to us about life lessons you've learned along the way. I've got two life lessons that come to mind, both related back to that post that uh, I commented on where the Peloton employee had just gotten laid off. One of the things was some advice that I had shared with him, which the lesson itself is the universe puts things in front of you. I believe that the universe puts obstacles in front of you and you have to figure out how to clear them. And if you don't, the universe will continue to put those obstacles in front of you. And oftentimes it's the opportunity to change course in, in your life and the way things are going. The obstacle is the thing you've got to figure out how to go around and that might take, take you onto a new path. For myself, that showed up. So I've been laid off twice in my career. Both times they were layoffs. And of course, in my perspective, they were unwarranted, but the company needed to make decisions and, and to survive or be more profitable, whatever. But in both situations, while it was really crushing to the ego and there was a lot of anger and frustration, the why me, and you have to go through those things in those situations, but ultimately it led to new opportunities in one of them, the first time very quickly, like I literally got laid off on a Monday and two days later, I was having lunch with some old colleagues from the job before the one I had just gotten let go of. And they had need for me to possibly consult and help. I did that for several years and that was turned into an amazing experience for me. And then, um. Again, in 2006, early 2006, I got laid off and that is ultimately what led me to getting into consumer insights. I'd been in a, a marketing role that was promotional or partnership marketing. I was at a toy company. I was the person that would work with McDonald's and, and I secured the company's first Happy Meal promotion, which is a huge, huge success uh, in that, but got laid off just as all that was happening. Very interesting. Yeah. And so coming out of that, it was like, all right, I need to figure out what it is that I want to do. But the thing about the universe putting things in front of me for 10 years before that, I had experiences and interactions with consumers through promotional events. And one of the things that I loved about it was being able to get the feedback from the consumer and hearing how they felt and thought about it. Mm -hmm. I was doing research. But I didn't understand that as a career. And so it took that final second layoff that got me to ultimately where I am today to be a, a researcher and to understanding empathy and writing the book and all the things that, that have come from that. So what seems like a, a disappointment is actually also an opportunity mm -hmm. and it depends on how you're, you're looking at it. So that's the first life lesson. And the other life lesson that I learned quickly is to enjoy that time. When you have that, suddenly that layoff is the best advice I'd ever been given. A friend said to me, cause we were emailing and I was like, oh yeah, I'm looking for jobs. And he said, hey, take the time to do the things that you would not normally be able to do at 10 o'clock on a Tuesday morning or 2 PM because you will work again mm -hmm. and you'll miss having that freedom and being able to do those things. So take advantage of it, still look for work, but take advantage of the opportunity that you've got. And I did, and it was really wonderful for me. 
Nice. Thank you for that. I have one last question for you. With all the work that you've done, do you see the corporations going in the right direction? Do you see progress in terms of including empathy into their culture? Yes. I wouldn't say that universally, but there is definitely a light that's been shown on the importance of it. And there are leaders out there and, and not just leaders at small companies, at large companies as well, that they've recognized it. And, and the great resignation, I and mean, one of the reasons why people are leaving is because they aren't feeling that they've got empathetic leadership. Mm-hmm. And yet some of the studies are finding, there's one study that came out last year, 90% of Gen Z, so adults 18 to 25, 90% of them said they would be more likely to stay at an organization that they felt was empathetic. Mm. And yet then another piece of data from that is only one in four employees felt that their organization was sufficiently empathetic. So you see where the, the ideal is that mm-hmm. you're going to have a lot more retention and, and better workforce and better contribution, but there's a long way to go. And CEOs and other leaders are just starting to realize like, wow, we need to dial this up. That's great. As long as there is that awareness, we may be going at the slowest pace, at snail pace, but as long as we are moving in the right direction, because at the end of the day, universal transformation is bound to happen. Things will fall into place. I'm just hoping that we are not taking one step ahead and 20 steps behind which I don't think that's happening from what you're saying. It doesn't seem like it. Change of this nature, especially takes time. And I try to expand my, my perspective of time. The hills that I see here in San Francisco have been carved down over millennia. And sometimes change takes a while and we just have to keep working at it. Mm -hmm. And every single one of us has a role to play. Maya Angelou has a wonderful quote about empathy where she says she believes that we all have the ability to, to be empathetic. We may just not have the courage to display it. And what I say to, on top of that is now is the time that we need to be courageous. And I challenge and encourage everyone to be courageous. I love that. That's an excellent last message to this episode. Let's practice empathy, each one of us together. Yes, exactly. To give and to receive. Lovely. Thank you, Rob. Really, really nice to have you on the show. Thank you, Hamida. Listeners, I hope you enjoyed my discussion with Rob as much as I enjoyed having it. As always, here are my key takeaways from this discussion. One, there is an empathy crisis going on. Empathy is an E-word that people are afraid of. Two, there are two kinds of empathy, emotional empathy and cognitive empathy. The latter is about being able to see the perspective of others without any personal judgment. Really, it's not only about being empathetic, but also about having empathy and using that to collaborate, communicate, trust, to reach forgiveness, have compassion. These are all the different things that empathy can unlock for us. Three, many leaders fear that if they are empathetic, then people will walk all over them. And what Rob wants to point out is that we can support our team, our direct reports, and our co-workers empathetically and still play within the rules of the organization. Four, how do we include empathy in any organization? Leaders must model and practice the behavior. We are all leaders in some form. 
whether we are leading a project or leading a team or leading a function in our company, we are all leaders at some point. And lastly, like taste and smell and sight, empathy is also a sense. It's a sense we are born with. We must exercise or practice it for it to become strong. When we can build our empathy muscle back up, we can instinctually and intuitively start to understand how to approach somebody empathetically. Before we end, I want to reiterate Maya Angelou's quote. We all have the ability to be empathetic. We may just not have the courage to display it. I second Rob. In that, now is the time that we need to be courageous. Let's show courage and practice empathy. Each one of us, together. This brings us to the end of this episode. I will bring you the next episode of Sharing Life Lessons next weekend, which is the weekend of April 16th. Until then, be happy, be safe, and be blessed.